0: I wasted so much time, energy on the negative self-talk telling myself I'm not a systems guy and all this kind of stuff. And then finally just having a peer group that supports you. And then you're like, man, I could have been doing this all along.
1: Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And I'm excited. We've crossed paths with our guest today a few times on social. And you know how it goes. I mean, everybody who's out there in the marketplace, they're glued to their phones. It's crazy how all of society is changing. It's like you can't walk around without a cell phone in front of your face anymore. I'm surprised there's not more like walking accidents. But I've had Mike's name come up a few times. And I don't know how or why we haven't connected, but I'm thankful that we are now. So, I've got with me today, Iron Mike Stedman, and you hail from, where in the hell are you, Mr. Iron Mike? I'm actually
0: in Newark, New Jersey, but I'm originally from Texas. I grew up in College Station and uh, East Texas, Texas.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So when you say East Texas, for some context for folks, most, most people think of like, all right, Houston, but there is like a huge, huge, vast land that's. 50 times the size of new jersey that is east texas of what you just described going from like college station all the way to tyler you're talking about some you're talking about some good fishing out that way if you ask me yep south, disagree. that's Down. right <laughs> can you go fishing in new jersey is that still a thing or is everybody still locked inside
0: uh everybody's still locked inside but you can go out a little bit
1: but i don't i haven't fished in years really in years i don't even remember the last time i went fishing when you said Tyler, that's the first thing that came to my mind. It's like, all right, this is Knucklehead Podcast. We can t- share some stories about screwing up some fishing trips. I'll tell you that much. All right. So with that being said, this is Knucklehead Podcast. So let's set the table here. Mike, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking some time to share. Honestly, quite frankly, the, the whole genesis of Knucklehead Podcast started on screw-ups, mistakes that happen in day-to-day business, whether it's your business or you're acting as, a, you know, as an entrepreneur within an within organization. So you're, you know, you're hired to do a job or a role and you're a leader, right? As, a, as an entrepreneur within an organization, you, there's things that you're going to do that you mess up, you miscommunicate with uh, one of your uh, department folks or one of your employees or you know, maybe a customer or a prospect. You can only control so much that it really can be disheartening pretty quickly if the net result of your work doesn't produce what it is that you're looking for. And a lot of it comes down to, being able to react properly in context of the mistakes that you make. So that was essentially the whole point of this podcast is I didn't hear a whole lot of business leaders talking about you know the things that they were screwing up or the things that they had messed up or what that screw up or mess up, how they oriented themselves and corrected right away. And, and then essentially what the net result of that correction was. Uh, what I heard about, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, is you hear about what people do great. You hear about the marketing slogan. Yeah, there's some struggle victory type stuff, but you don't always hear about the bankruptcy, the you know the unpaid bill. We had somebody on the show talked about, somebody who was being intentional about being a difficult employee. They called it the arsonist in the office. You can go back and listen to some of those previous episodes. But Iron Mike, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and some of those screw-ups and maybe some, some mess-ups. We'll get to those, but just tell people a little bit about you and, and uh, you know what in the hell you're doing out there in New Jersey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, trust me, I've made tons of mistakes and failures I'm happy to share. But uh, again, my name is Iron Mike Stedman. I'm based in Newark, New Jersey, and I'm the founder and CEO of Ironbound Boxing and Education, which is our nonprofit arm, and Ironbound Media, uh, which is our podcast uh, production arm. What brought me to Newark is uh, I was a three-time national boxing champion and two-time most viable boxer from the United States Naval Academy. And I just fell in love with boxing. But if you know anything about midshipmen, I can tell you, I didn't win three national championships boxing a bunch of midshipmen. I spent time in inner city gyms in Baltimore, D.C., Virginia, Brooklyn, and it always bothered me that I would meet young men and women inside these gyms that felt like they didn't have any opportunities outside the ring. They felt like their only option was to turn pro or go back to the streets, and I always felt like that was a broken system coming from a service academy where we're going to graduate, become officers, um, you know, eventually leave the military, start businesses, go to law school, et cetera. And so um, when I transitioned out of the military, um, I was a Marine infantry officer and I relocated to New Jersey with the intent of starting a free inner city boxing gym that had more in line with the service academy than it did the traditional model, where our goal is not to create champions just in the ring. We want to carry them out of the ring as well. And so um, that was Genesis that, that brought me here. And over the course of since I started that in 2016, it's just taken me on this entrepreneurial journey of trying to fund that free program and you know testing different things and finding things out and you know now not only do we run a free amateur boxing gym here in newark called the ironbound boxing academy we run a small business incubator program called thrive for youth and young adults and we actually teach them entrepreneurship over the course of four weeks small business entrepreneurship finance marketing leadership and we give them micro grants to get started and uh, we also try to connect them with employment opportunities, either through the Ironbound brand or those within our network. And so what we're doing is we're really building out this ecosystem of boxing and entrepreneurship as a way to uplift young men and women of color in Newark. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I left my full-time job in 2018. I was working at a private school in a town called St. Benedict's, where I ran the residence hall. So I lived in a giant house of 70 teenage boys. And I thought that the best way for me to fund the program was to launch a corporate wellness arm. Essentially, where I would go into companies in the New York City metro area, teach them boxing, hire kids from the gym, and then as that as a a funding source for the nonprofit. And I spent uh, 2018 up until 2020, you know, really building out that program. And uh, it was doing it was doing all right, you know, nothing crazy, but I mean, I was paying the bills. I was able to focus on Ironbound and grow the nonprofit, so I was doing it. But then, like everything else, the pandemic hit, right, and everything went virtual, and so I transitioned our classes from you know, in person to virtual, but it was just soul crushing. You know, it's just not the same for me. I'm very much a people person and it didn't give me the opportunity to do that. I just felt disconnected because even when you're teaching boxing, like not everybody has their cameras on and all this kind of stuff. And so I was always looking for a soft exit. And, uh, I got into podcast production. You know, I run a podcast called Confessions of a Native Son, where I talk about race, culture, and business from the perspective of a black veteran. And, uh, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And then I realized that, Hey, other people might want something like this. And I built a business around it. And so one of the mistakes I made early on with the corporate boxing was I didn't validate the business model, you know? So a lot of times we try to force stuff on the marketplace. It's like, Oh my God, I got this great idea. But before we commit to it and build a business around it, you know, can you validate that someone is willing to pay you for that product or service before you launch? I didn't do that with the corporate boxing. I just kind of quit my job, liquidated my savings, jumped out there, Versus, you know, having some experience, I kind of know business now, and uh, you know, jumping into podcast production. And I think one. Of
1: the I want to I jump. I want to jump in here. There's about three times where I've been like, I want to stop this guy and ask him questions because when you when you reverse engineer your process. If somebody, if we could just kind of go back to the beginning, I don't want to stop you from the promotion side uh, talking about what it is that you're doing on the podcast production side, because there's, there is a, a, an ever growing need and there will never not be a, a need for content that's consumable and designed in a way for folks can get educated. They can take action on it and they can produce deliverables based off of the milestones in which you present your, your information. And I just, I couldn't agree more. I think that there's, a, a gigantic need, but you just touched on about six different things, and I want to start with the first one, which we'll we'll get into this a little bit more. But when you talk about race and culture and the things that you touch on in your podcast, me as a as a white guy, and I hear it all the time with folks of mine that I served with or folks that I grew up with. Man, I played sports. I played football. I played football in college. It didn't matter what color you were, like it, it really didn't, and. And I think there's times when I miss the point, and I think that that's what happens sometimes when we end up talking past each other, uh, especially in the in the context of, of a podcast or even running a business, where the main driver why somebody is doing something is like priority number seven for me. So I don't react accordingly, uh, and and therefore you know it's it's interpreted differently, and so I just. I want to talk a little bit about the inner city community that you came from, and the you know the folks that you ran with. Completely different environment than the Naval Academy. So you know the context is. I, I love that that you called that out. I just I, there's so much that I want to get into there. I don't even know if we're going to have enough time to to unpack all that. So let's just talk real quick about how to listen and focus on where folks can actually take action and push. Because in boxing, you know, it's all a little bit about timing, a little bit about angles and. You know, you can take the wrong angle and get knocked out pretty quick. It's just and your timing can be off. You know what I'm saying? So help me understand a little bit more about why you felt like boxing was the way that you could connect with, you know, addressing issues or or, uh, you know, serving, so to speak.
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you, you know, coming from the South, you know, I grew up in a community. I grew up in a black community. um, And then all of a sudden I get the opportunity to go to the Naval Academy and there's no black people, you know, and the only time I see black people are in services. You know, more majority of the time working on campus and not necessarily as students. And so when you're in an environment where you feel like one of one more often than not, it really makes you start to do a self-assessment of yourself and then also the history of what led to this. And so that's what gave me a deep dive in the history. Just kind of figure out like, okay, why is it that they're, you know, I go in these environments where everybody says we're successful, you know, and every time I go in an environment, I see less and less people that look like me. So it's this idea of like, are people that look like me, just not successful? Or are we not successful at scale? What's going on? Um, and so that gave me a deep dive in history and everything. But the thing I found was boxing was boxing, I felt like that was my community. You know, I go into a boxing gym, there's a bunch of people that look like me, but the same thing is, a lot of them aren't going to college, you know, and they're trying to go pro and they're trying to do this. And so then I asked myself again, what is going on? We have this amazing sport, That's touching youth in the poorest of poor communities all across the country. And why is it that we're not using this as an opportunity to get them out of this environment into other environments? And so I started to do a deep dive on the history of boxing and everything else. And I realized, once again, it's a broken system. You played college football. You could go back and be a college football coach. There's a pathway there. Well, guess what? There's not really a lot of college boxing coaches outside of the service academies, right? Nobody's giving kids from the hood scholarships to go box and represent their country in the Olympics. And so this is what I'm going back to in terms of broken system. And so the genius of Ironbound is Ironbound bridges that gap. You know, We're saying, hey, boxing is a grimy, gritty sport in the hood, but guess what? We can be entrepreneurs, we can go to college, we can do whatever the heck we want. And Ironbound is a vehicle to facilitate that. So it's going back to basically just taking ownership of the space, uh, doing a little bit of a rebrand. And now there's the expectation with the kids of like, hey, yeah, we could be entrepreneurs. We can be whatever we want.
1: Well, so I I love the the individual responsibility uh, component that you're talking about there, right? Because it's lost in the model of education that exists in this country to this day, right? It's uh, like my kids. My kids they go to a school, and then depending upon how well they perform in certain subjects, there's a to your point, there's a pathway there if they want to pursue. You know, some formality associated with science, or some you know mathematicians, or being an engineer, or uh, you know, if they wanted to become a doctor, or whatever the case may be. The reality is, is they want to provide for their family, they want to provide for themselves, and they want to create opportunity. And that I believe, if we if we look at what the outcome is of of the vehicles that we choose to to go drive, that's actually probably more the point of what we share in common than what we have different. So why is it, in your opinion, then that? we hear about what makes us different as opposed to what we have in common all the time. I
0: think a lot of times people don't, people aren't necessarily prepared to hear different. You know, it's this idea that everybody has to think like them. And so I go back to social media. It was dawned on me. I'm like, why are people going crazy on social media about politics and race and all this kind of stuff? Then I realized it, right. Which is why I love podcasting. They don't have a platform. Their social media channel Whatever it is, that's the only platform that they have. So if they have thoughts, feelings, and emotions that they communicate with the outside world, the only way they can get that across at scale for them is to post it on social media because that's where they think their audience is. And one of the beauties of podcasts is, I mean, it's a sad reality is, listen, America's a great country. I'm a patriot. I love it. But for black people in this country, we've often been on the fringes of history. You know, we're never told the perspective of black veterans or civilians in environments. It's always just kind of like, I'll give you an example. As an African-American male, I want to know what the slaves felt when they were writing the Constitution, you know, not necessarily just what was told to us, but like, no, what did it feel like to be in a room where people are putting on paper about the future of this country and equality for all and exclude you, you know, could you even comprehend that? Whatever. We don't know that. And so when you think about things like podcasting it gives us a medium to communicate and hear different groups, right? There's a lot of people I don't necessarily agree with, you know, different religions or whatever, but can I actually say I've literally sat down and talked to these people? You know, have I ever sat down and talked to a Scientologist or something? More often than not, no, right? Now I see the crazy stuff on YouTube, but if I wanted to, and I don't, but if I wanted to, I could easily go follow somebody's channel and hear him talk for an hour. And it doesn't necessarily mean I necessarily agree with what they're saying, But just this idea of like, sometimes we have to hear from people and just take it and process it.
1: What you just touched on, I think is... It answers a lot of questions and I'm asking you, you know, the questions I'm asking you because I'm, I'm genuinely curious I, you know, I think about how my, my children are going to be consuming content. My, you know, our children's generation, how they are going to make decisions and how they're going to be less, don't take this wrong way. I believe that they're going to be less thoughtful. I, I believe that they're going to have a more difficult time focusing on the subjects that they, they want to focus on to produce a you know much more sustainable future and and it's not that they won't be able to because that's going to be their their mission it's just going to be different right i mean there was there was significantly less distractions back whenever things were were stabilized here uh, you know in this particular in this country and and i love how you kind of systematized how boxing leads to more uh, a more robust or versatile context switching opportunities for folks who come from you know relatively low uh, you know low income areas? Whenever I was growing up, my dad left when I was fifteen years old, so I had to fend for myself for forever. Right, so as long as I've been having to to have things, it's been one hundred percent contingent upon my work ethic, my my ability to navigate scenarios, and a really 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 helpful environment of people around me. And I didn't understand or appreciate the value of the people around me as much because I, I just, it was kind of just a byproduct of the circles that we ran in. We didn't actually take the time to thoughtfully pull the leadership lessons around, you know, out of the, you know, the practices that we are in. So I love and admire that you're doing that for kids and that you recognize it as an opportunity to actually instill entrepreneurial values or individual responsibility by teaching them something like boxing, because it's gritty. Nobody likes to get punched in the mouth. There's a few folks. I mean, there's a few folks who actually like to get punched. I, I'm not one of them, but I've rolled jujitsu, so that's why I don't get punched in the face all the time. You know what I'm saying? But the lessons are similar. On the other side of that pain and struggle is typically something significantly more valuable than you trying to avoid whatever pain or struggle you were were going through before. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I think the more important thing is you got to meet people where they are. You know, a lot of times we go inside these communities, we come with this top-down approach, right? I don't care. You could build the greatest small business entrepreneurial incubator in the country, what does that mean to a kid if he doesn't even know what an incubator is? You know, it's again, we're coming with our assumptions and our definitions and our words in these environments instead of coming from the ground up. The beauty of a boxing gym in the inner city is I don't have to sell it to the kids. You know, it's like they, they want a box, you know, and then when you're in there, they just you just start introducing them to other opportunities instead of the other way. And I think a lot of times, again, we're trying to force this stuff, the tutoring programs and all this stuff like at the end of the day, kids are human beings, too. They're trying to survive and thrive is this going to help me survive and thrive? Yes or no. Boxing teaches them how to defend themselves, protect themselves. So survive or or thrive, it catches them right there. Now, if I just throw up some random tutoring program and I'm already filling all my classes and my teacher tells me I'm not going anywhere in life, right? What is this thing going to do for me? Is it helping me survive and thrive? And then now they're seeing all the debt and they're seeing people from their community go to college and come back and work at McDonald's and stuff. So they're questioning. You know what is what does education mean in the first place? You know, and so we just got to be innovative. And I just, for me, boxing is part of my core, and it just allows me to be innovative.
1: So I ask this question all the time, and and we we can continue down this path. I referenced about six things that I wanted to to talk with you about. I think we're only really going to have time today to to address a couple of them. As much time as you want. All right. Well, let's dive into this real quick. I want to ask you, as a national champion. For folks who, who hear that and then dismiss it because they scroll through enough champion talk, you know, going through ESPN, you don't just get a, a participation trophy and and become a champion. But there's also this consistent performance for folks that are champions to have multiple championships and what it is that they do. And what's the difference that you see for these multi-champion kind of systematically producing high level performers and folks who just accident, you know, not accidentally won, but they, you know, they, they, they did well and they happen to win a championship, but yet you never hear from them again. What's the difference between somebody who wins and somebody who always wins because that's, that's what they expect of themselves or they get multi-championships to your, to your experience. That's a
0: great question. Answer is, you know what it takes right? Like I could never understand the serial entrepreneurs. I'm like, how does somebody become a serial entrepreneur? They launched this business. They launched that business. They launched this business. But don't they tell you that like, what, 90% of small businesses fail within the first year? Unless what? Unless it ain't your first rodeo, you know? So you kind of know what to expect. You start getting hit in the face where most people quit. You keep pushing. It's the same thing in boxing. You know, like when I won my first national championship, I gave everything, you know, I gave everything. I knew what it took to win that championship. So then when I found myself in a position next year, those guys didn't know what it takes. They thought they did, you know, but when it was digging deep and you're second guessing yourself and you're wondering if this guy's going to stop or whatever, I already knew what was at stake. And, you know, so you rise up. And so you just find yourself operating in a level that most people aren't from a mental perspective, you know, because a lot of times we, I mean, everybody has that self-doubt, right? Do I have what it takes, whatever. But imagine going up against Michael Jordan in the finals, you know, four deep right? He's, he wants to take the game-winning shot. You're questioning whether you'll hit it or not. So it goes back to that. But again, that lesson doesn't just apply in the ring. That's life, right? And so when I go back to why I launched my entrepreneur incubator program is because I know for young men and women, uh, particularly with regards to entrepreneurship, we're expected to hit a home run the first time at, at plate. You know, you're 35 years old, never ran a business. Now you get a 10K grant and they want you to 20X it not even 10 exit, but 20 exit. Well, how can that happen if it's their first time running a business? So what we need to do is we need to start that process sooner rather than later, get those reps in. So by the time they do get that 10K grant, they're seven, eight ventures deep because you, this is knucklehead. You learn from the lessons. And so just lessons, man. You know, you got to get in there and just got to be in it and you got to gain the experience. And so anything you can do to, to get that experience is
1: going to uh, elevate you. Well, I mean, you, you, just, you just hit the nail right on the head. Given the context of the experience that you had, boxing provided you the opportunity to realize that, first of all, you're not made of glass, right? Second of all, you can overcome adversity. And third, you can develop a strategy or a a plan because you know the deep water that you got drugged into because uh, who, somebody who had better cardio than you or somebody who hit harder than you. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I'm just saying, I would imagine that you always run up against somebody who's more prepared, who hits harder, who, who's something along those lines just because... It happens. And, and, and you have to have to be able to deal with the plan. Like everybody was, I can't remember. There's a famous, yeah. He says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. Yeah, placing. was That's what it is. Okay. All right. I didn't know who that, who said that, but to me, life is the same way. And the whole point of, of, to your, to your point about, you know, the circles that you used to run to that, that were quote unquote successful, it looked different than, you know, maybe the way that you grew up, in my opinion, Maybe I'm off base in saying this, but like given the context of the history of the United States and and how those institutions and everything got propped it, how things essentially progressed through time, they're they're still slave. They're still slaves today, right? And so solving the problem isn't necessarily oriented through the lens of, of race, in my opinion. It's the approach of looking at people as their people and recognizing the environment. And I think you said it. You just said meet people where they're at right and i was talking to somebody who comes out of uh, sex trafficking like they work in that business where you know they have organizations and nonprofits to go in and go bust these uh, circles and free people and what happens is is when somebody subjects themselves to that type of behavior if they come in from that work and they ever run into adversity later on in life unless they're working in the rehabilitation of of those type of programs they go right back into it and it's 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 the rehabilitation process of of helping somebody escape that mindset and getting into this individual responsibility mindset, that that's the problem that we're trying to solve. Maybe I'm off base in saying that, but that's kind of what I've experienced through over the course of my life. Does that make sense? Or am I off base?
0: No, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but one thing we've got to realize too is I think a lot of times you can't solve problems with the, with the situation, with the solutions and the systems that created them in the first place. Right. So I'll give you a prime example, right? I'm big on entrepreneurship. Okay. The difference between an entrepreneur here in Newark starting from scratch, right? And somebody starting from Silicon Valley is like night and day, right? Like, why would you try to teach an entrepreneur in Newark, a single mother with four kids, right? She needs to start generating revenue like today, right? She doesn't need to be doing pitch decks. She doesn't need to be doing all that kind of stuff. She needs to go out and get clients. But again, that's not what we're teaching them. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them that they need to go out and get these bank loans and do all this kind of stuff, you know, the SBA and all this kind of stuff. But what do you know? You got to have some kind of what? collateral, right? You need to show a track record. So I think the challenge is, uh, I hear what you're saying about race, but the reality of it is, is different cultures need have different needs, right? And when you think about where Black people in this country were starting from, from the beginning, right, and to where we're at now, right, we're trying to solve these issues in the same way that created them in the first place. And I think, you know, we need to have this honest conversation of, you know, does this work for this group? Like, does it make sense for somebody to go and rack up $100,000 in debt when their net worth is already in the negatives, right? But no, that's yeah. the kind of systems we force. And so I'm just open to having those conversations, though. And I do appreciate you for, you know, sharing your your opinion. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, more. well, I
1: mean, I, I love that you're, you know, that you're passionate about, first of all, you're passionate about the topic. You're passionate about the work that you're doing. Otherwise, it wouldn't even be something that you, you know, that you can, talk intelligently about because of the experiences that you had. And a good example that I want to touch on just that you provided it was we had somebody on the podcast who did exactly that process. They went and they took out a bank loan. They were $150,000 in debt. I think they were 22, 23 years old, right? And what that experience taught them was, first of all, that that type of entrepreneurship wasn't for them. But the lesson that they drew from that experience provided the framework for them to add a significant amount of value to a company. And what they did is they took that same principle and applied it to build out an entire department at a company, took that company, they were, they were a very, very critical member of that company being successful, not as an entrepreneur, but as an entrepreneurial training into a company. So what's wrong with that pathway for folks? That's still an individual responsibility component that's you know, runs counter to the narrative that, yeah, all you got to do is just set up your video and, you know, become a digital marketing expert and go out and get clients and charge a ridiculous, you know, all the things that are associated with the digital marketing agency, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. There's so many different ways to do this. Like I don't have a term for it yet, but like I'm funding businesses straight off of services because I run a nonprofit. I run for profit. Guess what? I have stuff I need done. Well, there's a young entrepreneur. Uh, his name's Keith Colon, uh, one of my boxers, national guy. But he's, I mean, he's, he's up there, right, in terms of boxing. So he's launched his company, Rides the Digital, right? I need someone to run my social media. I'm giving him $500 to get started. And I'm giving him $500 a month to deliver services. And so there's multiple ways to skin this cat. But again, you have to come from, you have to have an understanding of the kind of environment you're in. And so I think when I hear all these bankers, that have never launched anything in their life from the ground up, going into these communities, talking about all the stuff, the bank opportunities and this and that and private equity. It's just like, you're going over the pit. Like people need to survive and thrive like today. And then the other thing you tu- you brought up a point was he was able to recover, right? Not everybody's in a position where they can recover. You know, like if I were to fail as a business owner, at the end of the day, I'm still a Naval Academy graduate, still a Marine officer. I could probably go get a job. You know, a lot of these businesses that bootstrapped themselves up, you know, no, no capital, no nothing. Well, now with the pandemic, they're going away for good. There's no one to catch them. There's no way to bounce back. Maybe they didn't go to college because they were fueled by this entrepreneurship, you know. And so, you know, we just again, I'm just I'm just like having these conversations just from the sense of power of podcast and showing different perspectives and bringing people together and people can process it. They don't always have to have the conversations with the guest you know right. but people can sit at home and hear this conversation and be like man i didn't think about that maybe i should yeah. talk about this with my wife or something so
1: well you just yeah that's, that's absolutely right and to be honest with you this is that's the whole point the whole point is to have a conversation and what doesn't happen in a lot of cases is folks who have conversations to be able to stop and take the time to to let it settle to analyze it to actually put it down on paper maybe compare it compare notes with somebody else have a conversation it just those those are the types of knucklehead type moments you know, I, I just had a conversation about, you know, talking to a non decision maker at a company and the perspective that they have when it comes to buying something versus a decision maker at a company. Even in that right there, I mean, there's so many, there's so many lessons associated with that that are knuckle, what I call knucklehead moments. That what they are is they're just opportunities to learn and to screw up. And to your point about making mistakes, the more mistakes that you make earlier in the process that you can learn from and recover from, meaning, you know, Let's just say uh, the, the boxer it screws up some of the social media stuff. He's, he's going to have enough leeway that where the following month, you can address what went wrong and how to make it better, right? And, and I think that there's this tendency in a lot of folks to get it right the first time. It's just that's not a recipe for success, in my opinion. Maybe I'm off base in saying that, but I just haven't seen a whole lot of examples out there where it, somebody knocks it out of the park the first time and does it again, you know what I mean? One of my core values for Ironbound is start. don't be afraid to start ugly
0: because that's what keeps people from starting. They're so, Oh my God, I got to hit a home run. I mean, you work with podcast clients. No, get on the mic. Let's start talking. Let's start making the mistakes now. So you can, you know, get better, but everybody's they're So they want their content to be perfect. You know, they want to shoot this perfect video and all this kind of stuff. Or when they launch their business, they want everything. But after being in the fight so long, I know what it is. You know, I'm like, look, we got to just get a little bit momentum and then we're going to figure it out and we're going to adjust, you know, but it's part of the process because, that's starting ugly. It's giving you feedback. So once you start having feedback, then you start having pattern recognition. Going back to what you were saying, I wasted so much time going to those non-decision makers. We call them gatekeepers back when I did corporate wellness, you know, dealing with the 23 year old office manager just out of college. Like why is she, am I, why do I have to sell the value of my program, my offering to her? Now I just go straight to decision makers, you know, I hustle and I network and I get in front of a decision maker. So when you can, you get on the call with them, they make the decision right there on
1: the spot. Well, I appreciate your cause and I appreciate, you know, your process. And I appreciate the, uh, the time that you took today to have a conversation with us. So, You know, one of the things that we talk about here at Knucklehead and to your point about having perfect content, I mean, I'm already starting behind the eight ball there because I mean, nothing, guests run this show, if you know what I'm saying. They are the ones that bring the value here. I just ask the dumb questions because I'm a knuckle dragger myself. So when it comes to how folks can work with you, how folks can actually take Iron Mike's time and And find out more about what it is that you're doing. You you touched on a couple different ways that people can get in touch with you, whether it's on the boxing side to support the accelerator, whether they want to fund some of the programs that you're talking about or work with you directly. So tell people the best way to get in touch with you.
0: Yeah, the best way is just add me on LinkedIn, to be honest. Iron Mike Steadman on LinkedIn. Um, Because it's like, I'm a modern day renaissance man. It might sound chaotic that I do a lot of stuff, but it all works itself out. You know, on the nonprofit side, if you're committed to supporting young men and women of color in the inner city, just visit ironboundboxing.org. We run a free boxing gym for the community. We run our entrepreneur incubator program, and then we uh, employment opportunities. And then on the podcast production side, I'm going to plug Knucklehead Media. Right. If you want to work with me on podcast production, reach out to Knucklehead Media and he'll reach out to me because you know one thing as a veteran, right? We can have the same stores. Like I can sell pizza, somebody else can sell pizza, and he's a veteran, and he's right next door to me. Somebody comes in, I'm saying, hey man, you should go check out that place next door. Right. Versus in the civilian world, what do we do? Everybody's just this scarcity mindset. So I don't have a scarcity mindset. I think there's enough for us all win. But uh if you would like to work with me on podcast production services, reach out to Knucklehead Media first. And I'll have them contact me.
1: Well, I appreciate that. That's what we call integrity, right there. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for you taking some time to talk with uh, with us. Just, just real quick before we jam, this will be the last thing, and then we'll wrap with. When it comes to the the biggest screw up that you've had to deal with, was it more on the sporting side, the business side? Or the military leadership side what have you had to deal with the most that's kind of the most painful story that you almost don't want to share because it was a screw-up that led to something that you that didn't turn out very well
0: no i mean the biggest screw-up for me was me you know being in my own head thinking i had to have an mba thinking i had to do all i wasted so much time energy on the negative self-talk telling myself i'm not a systems guy and all this kind of stuff and then finally just having a peer group that supports you and then you're like man I could have been doing this all along. You know, I could have been operating at this level all along. So for me, the biggest screw up is just negative self-talk. Like I'm not smart enough to go to the Naval Academy. And, you know, I would always look at other people and be like, man, how do they do all that kind of stuff? Not even knowing that they're looking at me in the same way. And so for me, the biggest screw up is
1: dumbing down my greatness. I love that. I love that. Well, I appreciate you, Iron Mike for taking the time to come over here and educate us and have some conversations. I love you also being able to speak transparently about the way that you, you feel about certain things. We can have a, we could probably have an hour long conversation about two or three of the topics that we had talked about, but for the sake of time to keep it consistent with what we do here at Knucklehead, for those of you who are listening, our Mike Stedman out in New Jersey told you a couple of different ways that you can get in touch with them. Uh, he also told you uh, some stories about, you know, some of the experiences that he has had. You got to also understand the context in which he's bringing those stories to you. So he's, Naval Academy grad that has the, uh, it's unbelievable. It's called context switching. I love how you're able to context switch back and forth uh, the way that you, and it's an underrated skill as somebody who's got a lot of things going on. So, Uh, For those of you who are out there who are developing momentum, my encouragement to you is to follow the advice that he gave. Get in touch with him. He mentioned, he may have mentioned this on the recording, you may have mentioned beforehand, he's working with a coach. He's probably used to working with a coach, given his athletic experience and his time in the military. So uh, in terms of of perfecting your art, drilling down to what it is that you're looking to accomplish, my encouragement to you is to follow uh, the pathway that he talked about. So Mike, we appreciate you. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we wrap?
0: Yeah, I will plug my podcast. If you want to hear me go deep dive on race, culture, and business, check out Confessions of a Native Son. Um, It's a great podcast, and I'll invite Stephen on to come and uh, chop it up. But uh, it's just a great way to just discuss controversial topics, you know, and uh, not afraid to take them on.
1: There you go. Sitting in the uncomfortableness is what I like to describe that. But it's nice to be able to feel uncomfortable when somebody points out, you know, that you got some ketchup stain on your face or something like that. You know what I mean? You would rather somebody say something to you about it as opposed to just, walk the other way, if you know what I mean. I like having those uncomfortable conversations. So, Mike, I appreciate you. If you're not subscribed to the podcast that he talked about, what is it one more time? What's the title? Confessions of a Native Son. Confessions of a Native Son. So if you're listening and you haven't gone over to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe, the price of admission to listen to this is to go subscribe to Iron Mike's show. So we appreciate you. For everybody else who's out there, remember, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get yourself some wins. Go out and get some momentum started eventually it all work itself out. So we appreciate your new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Take care.